This episode is sponsored by Bigger City. Thank you so much for supporting us and helping our show to grow. Welcome to episode 150 of the Big Fat Yay. Gay Podcast, Yay. baby. Huzzah. 150. <laughs> we did That's it. More than Happy anniversary, everybody. Other yeah, ones. we're here. I'm Trevor Kizan. I'm a super chub, and I'm a uh, original Pokemon lineup boy today because we're celebrating <laughs> 150 episodes. <laughs> Wasn't the original lineup still 151? Or am I well, initially, they released it as 150 because Mew was a secret, so. Oh, well, in that case, my name is Michael Willer. I'm a chubby chaser, and I'm the secret Mew of this episode. <laughs> I'm the 151st. I'm going to do a secret episode tomorrow that nobody yeah. will know about. You have to move the pickup truck to find Michael. <laughs> hey, everybody. My name's Don. I'm That's a big a deep chubby cut. guy living here in sunny Hollywood. And today, I brought my Digimon cards, and no one else looks excited. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. <laughs> uh, hi, my name is Dan Oliverio, author, public speaker, and chubby chaser, and I have the distinct honor of understanding none of the intro. Yes. Uh, Digimon, Pokemon, uh, Suleiman. <laughs> I have no idea. Truck. <laughs> Suleiman. <Yeah. laughs> no idea. No idea. Um, I don't know. Thank you to all of our new listeners, our old listeners, our day one listeners. Yeah. yeah. People Man. listening backwards, people listening forwards. How um, many people, so we keep getting messages from people who are like, oh my God, we just found your show. It's great. We're starting from episode one. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> do you, are you do crazy? You have, yeah, like you have that a life. Is, that is as the doctor recommends it, Michael. You have to start <laughs> at the beginning of treatment. Take two episodes before bed and send oh us some fan mail in the morning. So many episodes. I think it's a lot more heartening than listening backwards. I'm like, what, what, what? Yeah, yeah, I suppose. I mean, it's it probably makes more sense. It's just like, well, so somebody was saying that they were uh, listening, they got to the point right at the start of uh, COVID quarantine, uh, where we were like, oh, it could be a week or two before we're back in person. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> I, I still remember that first COVID episode. It was so, I feel like we could talk about this now. It was so bad. The recording of it was so yeah. bad mm -hmm. that it got cut from a typical episode recording time of probably around an hour down to like 28 minutes. It, wow! <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize it was that short. It's one. Of, it's our shortest episode, shortest quote unquote full episode. Anyway, so thank you to the people who have been listening to the show all this time, and also thank you to Big Fig for being a super cool affiliate of the show. Um, we have, uh, in case you don't know, they make mattresses that are for by fat people for actually. I don't know if they're by fat people. Probably. I'm not so sure that, but they're people. definitely for very heavy definitely people. Definitely for fat people. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, and I'm they're gonna, partners. I, let, me, let me add a little just quick disclaimer here that they'll be very happy for. While they are excellent for big people, there is nothing wrong with them for, for normie-sized or small-sized or petite. Yeah. It is yeah. a fantastic bet. Absolutely. Um, so we've got an affiliate link on our website. We fully believe in the product. They've uh, Don bought one of their mattresses well before we ever had this deal yep. with them. 
Um, so if you're considering buying a mattress and you want it to be fat friendly, go buy a Big Fig mattress and use our affiliate link. It helps the show out. Uh, we use it to pay the editor that we have caged in the closet. It's not me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a different prisoner. It's, yeah, we've passed that, that privilege on. And also to- We uh, call them interns here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. Uh, also to Bigger City, of course, you heard my, my little uh, formulaic NPR style intro for the show that we've been doing, but Bigger City has been supporting our show for a couple months now, um, helping us pay again for editors and the cost of recording online like we're doing right now, which is all fantastic. We really appreciate it. Obviously, if you don't know Bigger City, it's for chub chaser, bear, and everything in between dating online and app-based um, and it's a good place for community as well, which I think they're they're trying to double down on coming yeah. up. Very good. Mm -hmm. and, and Patreon, I yeah. guess. Quick, pa Patreon. Oh, also Patreon. Oh, also <laughs> yeah, the individuals out there who just yeah. give yeah. us money because Our they're Patreon good people. people know we love them, and they know we're going to do a little something special yeah. for them on and Patreon to mark the event. Yes. And Patreon listeners, you're our favorite. Don't tell the other listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just do a Paula Poundstone quote? I love you. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let's, uh, let's get into the episode before we get too far down that rabbit hole. Wait, where's my... Oh, no, my music got rearranged. Hold on. Stand by. Pop culture. There we go. Ha. Wow, wow. We're dancing. You're dancing. <laughs> Everyone's dancing. Um, a fun fact, I got some feedback from a listener who heard me ask and fear if <laughs> people did not like the music, and the listener said they liked it. So there you Yay. go. Yay. Vindicated. And that they dance along with us. Oh, <laughs> well, good, because we actually do, we at do some dance. point, I suspect we will do some sort of video episode I feel like that's the thing that podcasts are supposed to do, and then you'll see us dancing. But today is not that day. When we finally so, do our big, uh, big fat gay podcast convention, I want us to film a big like intro for our episode with like, full dance choreography and that's everything. Right. That's right, and, and a flash mob in the host hotel lobby. Of course, that's why we have to wait for our convention. <laughs> I that got like, Michael. That just got Michael. I feel like, yeah, well, it's just imagining like a fat people flash mob is like, that's just an event. Like that's like all of the normies who show up to that host hotel who don't know what's happening. And it's just like hundreds and hundreds of super fat people wandering around. Like that's, that is the flash mob. That's already, you're the already there. The best part for me is the choreography in my head is the whole thriller video, Michael Jackson. Oh thing. my God. Yes. Like, I oh, want yeah. to do this now. <laughs> okay. So what do we have well, in pop culture this week? We, <laughs> well, we're going to start off by bumming everyone out. Let's take this Yay! energy down a yeah. little bit. <laughs> uh, Dan actually uh, uh. sent this to me. A piece from The Guardian with the uh, body double for <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow in Shallow Hell. Yeah, if you cast your mind back to the movie Shallow Hell with Gwyneth Paltrow and Jack Black... Um, the premise was that uh, Tony Robbins hypnotizes the scumbag Jack Black character into seeing the inner beauty, which allows him to appreciate uh, this this woman, this fat woman's inner beauty, seeing her as the slim and fit Gwyneth Paltrow. Right. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> fat jokes abound. Don't worry. Yeah. And yeah. So, th so this was the body double because they did it. The way they filmed it was they put Gwyneth Paltrow sometimes in a fat suit. And then for the longer shots, they would actually use a fat person. <gasps> yes. Uh, whose name is Ivy Snitzer. Yeah. And also 
because it, you feel it in the movie when you're a fat person. It's not just the long shots. It's the extreme close-ups. Mm-hmm. Mm. So yeah. whenever they want to show a fold or they want to show an arm or a leg, they just shove it right into her. So let's start with the positive things first because there, there is this, the story starts out, I think, fairly nicely. It's, it's an interview with Ivy um, telling her story from booking the role as Gwyneth Paltrow's body double all the way up to current and all the whole, and she's been on a hell of a ride. It's not been great for the most part, but she has a great attitude. At the time, she was an aspiring actress living in Hollywood. Um, she gets the casting call, she comes in, and basically she describes the whole process of working on this movie from the original casting call, which I think we had wondered what they actually even wrote in the casting I mean, call. She didn't know. She didn't know either. Yeah. She, she just still does she, not know. She still heard about it from a friend. <laughs> They, yeah. you know, showed up, they took pictures, she yeah. met with the directors. And so she describes experience as being quite positive, like pretty much across the board. Like everyone was very respectful to her. They appreciated yeah. her skills as an actress. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow was very complimentary about her acting technique. Jack Black was like the nicest person in the world. The director, like the crew members were very respectful of her and treated her like a valued person amongst the cast as anyone else. So she had nothing negative to say about that. And the unfortunate thing that happens is when you make a movie like this, the movie gets released and (laughs) then the general public sees it. (laughs) And then you have press and they actually did have her going out and doing some interviews, which I was kind of surprised to hear. I thought they would have only had like the name stars doing that, but they had her also doing some interviews and she's got to feel and see and experience firsthand the vitriol that comes from the public who doesn't, want to see you as a happy fat person. And in fact, I think this is the first thing that sparked all of this was that she said on an, in an interview, being fat isn't the worst thing in the world, which yeah. isn't even that strong of a statement. Yeah. It's but just, that had to be corrected by the general populace immediately. Yeah. So it is the worst getting, thing in the world. <laughs> she was getting hate mail. People found her address and were sending us, she was also getting uh, kind of creepy, like seductive advances, like somebody Composed a symphony and sent it to her. So as a way I, of I have to say, I well, have and, very and by mixed the way, feelings. By the way, if, if, I'm, if I might interrupt, sorry, 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 but just to put it in there because it goes right here. And also from the fat positive community about like, how dare you? How dare you? How dare you? Say that. How dare you be in this movie? How dare you exist in this oh, movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that exactly. you're doing damage to our cause. Then, you, like, so it, basically, it's like everybody says you suck, even the people who are supposed yeah. to be on your side. Yeah, yeah. I, I have very mixed feelings about the symphony thing because That's such a it, is, thing. it is, yeah, it's what, like. What's the symphony thing? The, the, Someone uh, wrote a symphony and sent it to her, uh, for her. It was like mm-hmm. an ode and to her body. And that's such a, like, it's, there's a lot there. And I, <laughs> I think I, in some ways I get the, like, earnestness of that, but it's also like, wow, Somewhat, to compose an entire symphony and got not get at any point like this is creepy. <laughs> you know what though? I I, I I will go on record as saying I would very much prefer a symphony to an unsolicited di- dick pic. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So anyway, that's not actually the whole like. Yeah. Th- what happens is that she gets uh, a lap band surgery, uh, and after I can't remember how long it took. I think it it was just a couple months. Um, it, uh, what's the term? It like broke. Tors- she had uh, tor- torsion. Yeah. yeah it, torsion. So it twists and basically becomes incredibly painful. I think, um, yeah, it, it just, it, it literally twists up in your insides. Right. Yeah. 
So she's already got an eating disorder based around, you know, minimizing calorie counting and controlling your intake and blah, 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 going into this. And now she gets to a point where, as she puts it, like the good fatty is supposed to get the surgery, right? Mm -hmm. Like the concept of the good fatty is the person, is the fat person who only eats salads and goes to the gym, even though they're fat and like tries really hard to not be fat. And that's, and so good for you, fatty. And so she was like, well, this is what we're supposed to do. This is, this will make me happy. I'll live past 40 because that's what the doctor said. I would die if I didn't do this. And so she does, it goes terribly wrong and she can't eat or drink anything more uh, viscous than water. Like that is the extent of what at this point, and and she was so, this this freaked me out. She said she was so gaunt at this point in her life, having to deal with all of this stuff that you could see her teeth through her cheek. I I think maybe she just meant the outline, like actually translucency, but still. Like, holy shit. And I'm sure there were people saying, like, wow, you've never looked better. Yeah. Well, no, that's good for you. Like, during this time, people are being so nice to her. She says, it was like, I went from, you know, nobody looking me in the eye when I was fat to, you know, people buying my drinks at, at at a... at a coffee shop for mm-hmm. me and holding the door and blah, blah, blah. And like, and just treating and me she, so and well. And she's dying. And she's <laughs> literally dying. Like she had, they had to put her on IV, mm-hmm. um, not sustenance, but IV, um, drip. They had like the nourishment. Like they yeah, had to feed. Yeah. yeah and I, yeah, they had to feed her via IV to get her to a place of healthiness and resilience so that they could perform the surgery to save her. To fix like the they, surgery. To fix the original <laughs> surgery, right. Yeah. And even to this day, she still has to eat these like crazy small portions. And she mm-hmm. has this. So anyway, she has an amazing attitude about this whole journey. Um, she, you know, her whole thing and the reason why she loved uh, Shalahal in the first place was because she has a great sense of humor. And mm-hmm. all of the jokes of the movie, like them or not, are the kind of jokes she would tell. And so she kind of takes this attitude. And so when she sort of left Hollywood and moved back home and was trying to forget about that whole experience and throughout her life, she moves on to writing and she has a comedy partner and now she has a husband and kid, like her ability to kind of thrive in spite of everything that's happened. Like this could easily have been like, you know, body double from shallow how dies. I want to talk about uh, what you said there about uh, this was humor. That was her sense of humor. And that was something in this article that really mm-hmm. landed for me. Yes. In that, like, when you're fat, one of, the, one of the defense mechanisms that I think is very common is a self-deprecating sense of humor, where you make yourself the butt of the joke, right? And that opens you up to being open to this sort of humor, which is not, in a, I mean, I'm, no judgments there. But when that sense of humor is no longer in your control and gets sent out into the world, and suddenly the jokes you're telling about yourself are things people are saying about you mm-hmm. that are they are not joking when they say them. Yeah. That is way more damaging to you than if you had come started in a neutral position. Well, like, and it's a problem. It kind of it, so I think the humor is important because it sort of takes away her own ability to control how she relates to mm-hmm. fatness where if she wants to make a joke about it and that helps her feel good about it and helps her kind of laugh about, you know, this is life, blah blah blah, and makes the people around her laugh. That's a kind of power she can take for herself. But when other people say, no, you don't get to feel good about any of this. You Mm -hmm. should feel bad about all of this. Suddenly you can't make those jokes anymore. It doesn't like your whole relationship to it has changed because it now 
has to be a, a negative experience no matter yeah. what. And I think there's yeah. a lot of where, you know, if, you know, if, if gay men make a joke about gay men among gay men, it's completely different than if a bunch of, that if a bunch of guys and <laughs> straight guys in a truck make a joke about gay men, you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that different lands kindness. very differently, even if it's the exact same joke. Yeah. All right, Trevor, I, I'm feeling a little dirty after this one. Is there something you've got here that can clean us up a bit? Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's a hell of a way and, to put it. Yeah. <laughs> I like feeling um, dirty, Don. So <laughs> Janelle Monet has a new music video, uh, Waterslide, yes. which I think Amazing. is like the perfect antidote to the Rush music video from yeah. we talked about a couple weeks ago. Yeah, the and like is, twink I, video. Yeah, and just like so different in so many ways that it actually feels like the like it is the opposite i think it's, even it's just the in antidote. the like it really yeah. is like so janelle Monáe, in case you don't know she's a, a recording artist singer also was in a starring role in glass onion if you saw that over the the winter time oh, that's I right thought she killed it i thought she, she was amazing she, she was great she had a dual role to play so clearly very talented. So this video is kind of like a summer vibes, like vintage feel, like sort of shot on, you know, 16 millimeter film. And it's just this big old dance party in her mm -hmm. yard with a pool and a water slide. The video's called Water Slide. And, and by the way, when they, mean, when they say water slide, they mean the slip and slide. Like, yeah, yeah like literally, like a hose. not a pool style water slide, <laughs> literally just the thing that you had when you were a kid that you went <laughs> running yeah. and belly flopped and flew across the yard like that. And then inevitably you bumped over a rock on the way and Ooh, it was painful. Yeah. yeah. No, and but the thing is, the video has so many types of bodies in it. You mm -hmm. have just, uh, you, it runs the gamut of everyone in their swimwear. I actually started good. making a game out of it, trying to figure out a body type I wasn't seeing. And yeah. I, I <laughs> failed. <laughs> it's just well, the joy. Well, okay, Dan has a, as a counterpoint. Yeah, once again, absolutely no fat men. All the men are super. No, Dexter was there. No, Dexter's in Yeah, Dexter, I, you know, I saw him. But it's the kind of thing they're like, and only because we know Dexter so well. Like there's, I, I didn't I guess, see a yeah. face. I didn't see it's a face. It's short. He, he's in a few shots, but not a I, lot. I, I think you could, I, I think you, I if you added all man. of them up, you might get to one second. There, I, yeah. Uh, okay. he, he's in it. It is, again, it's right. It is cut very, very short. It's barely featured in the video. But De like our friend, friend of the podcast, Dexter. I, I had to ask if like, is that Dexter? Because I, I know Dexter you, you pretty can, well. I clocked him immediately, Dan. Yeah. Uh, trust me on this. <laughs> So that, yes, point well taken. Most of the men in the video are sort of straight sized, not fat. But beyond that point, like the whole, the video starts with a shot of a bunch of women lying down, sunning themselves. And it's just like roles and sensuality. And they're not all fat, but a lot of them are. Um, and God, it is just such the anti-Rush yeah. video that if you if you watched Rush and you felt slimed, you will feel candied after watching this one. I would say. <laughs> well, and um, I think also just like the the rhythm, it is far more to me like summer pool party and like less manic energy. With like Rush, it's it's Rush the, is like the, a the title is from Poppers. Yeah, like Rush felt like a drug thing. And like, I mean, well, like, well, it is. Rush is named for the brand of Poppers, yeah. so it's like yeah, right, exactly makes sense. But it, but but it felt that way. This felt like joy. You know? This yeah. is joyful. This is absolutely joyful. There is a shot of a, a and we're, we're focusing on the bodies because, of course, that's the tie into the podcast. But there's a shot in the middle of the video of a completely naked fat woman kind of mm -hmm. almost like um, 
who who is the Renaissance era painter? Uh, Ruben. Yeah, like almost Rubenesque, like sort of her body draped with this giant hat on that she mm. kind of bends, and it's just this like beautiful. It feels artistic. It just feels like a painting in film and you know the whole video has that vibe but then it also is like fun and silly i i just i i watched it i just watched it this morning and it was it was just a blast i really really love this video oh i sorry just a, an update for listeners because i talked about this in another episode and then i think i was supposed to talk about it last week i ended up not being able to go to the pool party the fat pool party because oh. i had really bad vertigo <laughs> that weekend oh, no. Wow. And I did not want to be uh, toppling over a bunch of make your um, own slip and slide fat women, and uh, I also was having some really bad nausea, so that was a, a bad mix for you know no a pool party. So I missed Ooh. I missed it, but I saw pictures. It was fun, but yeah, oh, I'm sorry, up, I know that, that. Would, that little update. Anyway, so check out the video and uh, support Janelle Monet because this is a fantastic project and really I think the more deserving summer hit. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let's uh, hurdle on into. Yippee! That launch 2023. Scooty. One day I'm it's just going to change the music for this and not tell you guys. It's going to be <laughs> like a plane flying, like. <laughs> 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 it's uh. coming this way. <laughs> Everybody get down. Oh my God, Here it's Greg go. Ocean. <laughs> We're going back up. We're oh, feeling wow. good. We're in Baltimore, baby. The Baltimore, Baltimore Sun right. has a piece highlighting yeah. the community group that is rejecting diet culture and embracing body positivity. I will, I'll put this out there before we get too far into it. There is an exact copy of this article in a free publication as well, if we want to share that link. Yeah, okay. so the link you sent us was behind a paywall. Um, oh, I didn't Archimax, realize that. I can, I can share that. Archimax has, a, has the exact same article. Okay. Anyway. What are we talking about specifically in Baltimore? Um, no, so th this is a, a highlight uh, of uh, Body Liberation Baltimore, which is a community organization um, run through a Facebook group, but they also um, do some in-person events. And it is basically just a, a virtual support space for people who have been harmed by anti-fat bias. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just talking about the, the founders um, and also some other groups. I just wanted to, I, so I found this out um, from a listener, Mycroft, who is a huge supporter of the podcast, mm -hmm. uh, and Mycroft and their partner are featured in the article, yeah. as well as their group, DMV Fat Positive Community. Um, and it's, I love, I don't know, seeing this piece kind of talking about people creating community. Um, and in the article, they talk about how, you know, NAFA used to have local chapters and that they don't anymore, but as a result of kind of that loss, there has been all this growth of people making groups like this. Mm -hmm. One of the things I really appreciated about this was that they, they, so they have two monthly support calls, one of which is for anybody, all takers, anybody wants to show up and, and have community. And then the other is specifically for fat people so that, you know, if you want to go to both, you can go to both if you're fat. Um, but it kind of gives you your own space and it gives you an inclusive space so that you can kind of have everybody, like everybody gets their own breathing room and you don't feel like st toes are being stepped on or like you're walking into a call that you're not necessarily, like for somebody like me, 
might feel a little uncomfortable joining just the singular call if it's like, well, this is the one for fat people. But if you mm. have one that's dedicated, like this is for everybody, then this yeah. one's for us. Like that, that feels really smart to me. And I think it also bridges the controversy of like, no, we need a safe space for just us. And no, we don't want to isolate ourselves and be part of nobody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And body diversity means diversity. Right, yeah. it, it you have to bring everyone in for you to be able to celebrate body <laughs> diversity. So, well, I mean that's the, the that's the, I guess the counterpoint to that is like, you know, straight-sized people have space everywhere, whereas fat people need a dedicated space. That's what we're creating. So, like, you want a dedicated space for fat people to be safe and and to be able to talk, but you also want the yeah. inclusivity of allies. So, I think mm-hmm. that's where the two the two calls come from. Anyway, I, I like how this is um, how this is being run and how supportive they seem to be for each other in this community that they're creating. Um, it's just really, it, it's kind of like what, we, what we've talked about this whole time, which is like the, really the best way to deal with all of these issues because they're not gonna get solved overnight. They may never get mm-hmm. solved, is to create a community, a place for you to be around like-minded people where you can support each other, where you know if you get slimed out in the world, you can come and de- sort of detox <laughs> and like yeah. feel healed. And I, I, I also think that is so necessary for chasers and fat admirers because a lot of the misbehavior you see uh, uh, among us in that, in, in our community is simply because like I was talking to, I was talking to a chaser and he has all these toxic ideas that I'm trying to like go like, well, you know, you might want to think about exactly how that plays out, you know, cause that's not really good. And I realized, oh my God, he has no fat friends. Yeah. Fat oh, people mm-hmm. are just are just people he has sex with. He has no fat friends. And if he, if he did, he'd be able to make He'd be like, no, dude, that's gross. And and it, whether he's straight or gay, what doesn't matter. It's just to his own he, ideas and behaviors. You mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so he he doesn't get. They, there are a lot of people who are sexually attracted to fat people, but have no community with fat people, and that is so so. It's toxic on both sides. Well, and I, because yeah, I it think increases if, the shame for the chaser and it increases the predatory nature of the of the romance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think if a lot of these guys had fat friends and just had like fat community, they would actually be capable of dating. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you if you're not a friend with someone, it it you kind of. Def- I feel like a lot of people who are not friends with a group just tend to objectify them because they have no oh, yeah. other. There's no other way to do it, right? Well, it, you it, don't know and, what they and are. Everything lives in your head. Like everything yeah. is just your own experience and perception of the other. And they're mm-hmm. other at that point. And you get to choose when you engage with them and how you want to engage with them. And it's very I, targeted. I feel it might, it must become something like uh, the the straight incel guy who has no communication with women. I was, I was just mm-hmm. thinking that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, who then, like every interaction with a woman, it tends to pattern more after what they've learned to expect from interactions from porn. And that doesn't work. Yeah, and I yeah. feel, I've had a couple interactions with chasers where I'm like, I think that might be what happened. Like they've watched yeah. a lot of porns <laughs> and they, there's a script in their head as how I'm supposed to behave. Yeah. yeah. I'm I not going to. Like, <laughs> I would like to highlight for a brief moment that Don just used the, the word porns. Plural <laughs> yeah. With an as a countable noun, as a countable noun. <laughs> no, but, and, and I, I recognize that. that, I and, that. But I also think, because a lot of chasers would say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm too sexually attracted to have them as friends. 
which okay, examine that. But mm. <laughs> yeah, but so there are no fat guys you find unattractive, right? Well, but that's yeah. what I'm saying is that you know, let's say you're a straight fat admirer and your only interaction with fat women is trying to pick them up. You know, a good first step would be having fat male friends. Yeah. You yeah. know, or or if you're good a chubby call. chaser, if you're a gay chubby chaser, a first step might be having fat female friends. Like, because mm -hmm. in, in, in that, in the way that it takes the sexuality out of it for you and you can still understand fat community, you can still understand and relate to what is it like for fat people instead yeah. of you just saying like, well, it, it, the, the problem that a lot of chasers have is that their only experience of being fat is, isn't that hot? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, does this, <laughs> yeah. Does this mean we need to start like a, a big brother, big sister program <laughs> where we pair you know, chubs and BBWs with <laughs> straight and gay chasers and just kind of I like... I think that might have something to... Well, it, it could just be an extension of our program where we're trying to get chasers to mentor other chasers. <laughs> so. uh, that is... I Trust me from experience, that is really hard because they're, they're <laughs> like, no, I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to the fat guy. <laughs> uh, Why would I talk to you? You're not hot. Or, or the only reason to talk to me is like, do you know any fat guys? What's the biggest yeah. guy you've ever been with? You know, yeah. I'm like, I'm so sick of that conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's useless. Speaking of uh, standout chasers, we have a particular listener who has uh, truly gone above and beyond. And I think, Don, you have the inside track on this. So why don't you talk about uh, our friend Jeff? Yeah, uh, just wanted to send a shout out to our, uh, one of our listeners who has been working very hard in Hawaii uh, to help try and... Uh, rescue people in Lahaina, uh, in Maui, mm. where they just had those massive fires. Which is where the person um, lives. Yeah, yeah, we just wanted to send a shout out. He sent a photo of himself in uh, firefighter gear as he's going around trying to uh, find, uh, I forget what they're called, flare-ups. He's like going to areas where they've already extinguished the fire, but they're still smoldering. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to put out the little smoldering spots before they light up again and start a new fire. And uh, by the way, uh, to all of our listeners, both Chubb and Chaser, uh, there is no better personal ad photo you could possibly put than an incredibly hot fireman photo. I'm just saying. Just saying. Assuming you are the fireman. Dear listener, that's a photo you should be putting on your profile. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> well, between that and then, you know, last week we were talking about the hurricane mm -hmm. coming into L.A., which thankfully... Which led to our very first hurry quake in Los yes. Angeles. Oh, yeah. Where we had an earthquake a... hit us during the hurricane. <laughs> oh, minor. Both were minor. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, leave that part out. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say the word hurryquake. Like a lot of things in LA, both were overhyped. <laughs> yeah. And it, it also hit where I'm at, too, in the, the greater Vegas area. Um, granted, much more inland, and we didn't get the earthquake part of it. We got the, the remnants of the hurricane. So, but we wanted to talk all of to bring all of this together. Yes. <laughs> we wanted Thank to talk you. about disaster preparedness, and specifically, Don had mentioned, uh, I think, an NPR story that you had heard about a, a fellow who got it. it who was there is a, a disaster. There is an article from NPR. Uh, it's a radio interview uh, with a survivor from Lahaina, who talks about from the moment. Uh, he realized that there was no warning coming and that his town was on fire and that houses, like two houses down, were already in flames, right? Mm. Um, so it talks about him, uh, his fat neighbor, who gets, and they get on their, their scooter together and they're trying to go through the city. Because he's also fat, is, is the point. Uh, the neighbor in the story is fat. He is not. Oh, oh, I thought the main, okay, got it. No, 
But one of the stories he tells about is going, driving through the street of Lahaina, hearing the screams out in the fire, and then coming to a parking lot. And there's a, a bunch of people that are trying to figure out how to get out. And there's a fat man trapped in the parking lot with no transportation. And the two of them on their scooter couldn't take him. Um, and the, the act of having to leave this person behind and not knowing what happened to them because they physically weren't able to bring him along mm -hmm. started making me think about, like, I have lots of concerns about my own safety during emergency situations. So I just yeah. want to drop in here, you know, lest we get cards and letters. It is, completely, it is completely possible that a thin person could also get left behind because there wasn't room on the scooter. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. So I just, just, just to put that in. But right. this is something that comes home to me is like, I, I have, I have actually thought in the past, like if I, there's a car and a group of us need to get away, will two people escape if I stay behind? Right. You know, that exactly. is something mm -hmm. that has crossed my mind. Yeah. You know, but it has occurred to me in the past, what safety concerns do I need to address in my own life to try and make sure that I'm safe in an emergency situation when I don't think people can care for me? Like I live in a two story walk up. Right. If I have a heart attack or something, can they get me down the stairs? Uh, that's something that worries me. So today we thought we might talk about some of the precautions, some of the things and the concerns that uh, larger people may face during these larger disaster situations. Mm -hmm. And what can we do to try and maximize our own chances in any of these uh, hope they do not happen situations? Yeah. Um, I'll just, by the way, before we dive in, I'll echo the, I, so my partner, Michael has, now I think he's a bit of a catastrophist already <laughs> a bit, tiny bit, just little, <laughs> little, little bit. Uh, he's always saying like, oh, like we, we you know, we've got to stock up for this. We got to make sure this and blah, blah, blah. And like, we got to make, be prepared in case something goes horribly wrong, even when there is no impending disaster. Um, and, and I kind of make fun of him for it because he, you know, it's a little extreme. But now that we're having this conversation, I'm starting to realize, oh, I mean, like if something were to actually happen, like we went through this hurricane and it was fine for mm -hmm. us, but it may not have been. Uh, that's a very different look for him than it would be for me in that yeah. situation. Yeah. That's yeah. a very different type of fear. And so I'm starting I to kind of get it now on a real level. Yeah, and, and Trevor is a professional catastrophist, and so <laughs> uh, definitely wins awards. Uh, and yeah, we've. But I, I, my thing is like, I'm glad you're worrying about that because it would never occur to me. Yeah, and Dan, <laughs> Dan, Dan, and I have very different approaches, and we kind of balance each other out. Um, I mean, like, so w with the hurricane we've recently, you know, experienced, I was actually pretty sure that, like, I think, I thought it was going to be kind of like you know the rains we had earlier this year that were just, you know, severe. Like there was flooding earlier this year. And I was, my concern was like, okay, if we lose power, I want to make sure I have some kind of backup thing for my CPAP, which I actually did yeah. purchase ahead of this hurricane. I'm still actually, I was like, after I got it, I was trying to figure out the math of like, how long will this last with my CPAP? I will say just to that point, there are battery backups and I have this for my work setup it's i think it's the shorthand is a upc battery backup yeah. it's like a you know an auto uh, so it charges it stays charged you run everything through it like a surge protector and then if your power goes out it has its own power source for a while and mine gives me an estimate like on the readout it says given the draw that you're currently putting this under it can provide this much these many hours of power yeah and and the particular uh battery that that trevor bought um it was great it's very compact it's very sleek 
Uh, you charge it, obviously, but you can also use your car to charge it mm. because it's, no, designed for it's designed for camping. So mm -hmm. it assumes that you might be away for several days. So you can use your car uh, and the combustion engine there to charge it. I feel like that's probably the number one uh, most immediate and probably consistent concern would be like, how do I run my CPAP? Yeah. Um, well, we, you know, we, we were trapped in that situation and we had to go to a hotel, even though there was nothing wrong with our house. We just didn't oh, have wow. power. And it was either Trevor doesn't sleep that night or we go to a hotel that had its own backup yeah. generator. That's, that was, that's what, what they chose the hotel for us. Oh, um, uh, yeah. That's I cool. would, so something else I looked up that I would, because I was just weird talking about this as an episode topic. And I was just looking and thinking about, like, okay, real disaster, like, big disaster, what does this look like? And I was thinking about, you know, like emergency shelters and I was thinking of cots and like, what is the weight capacity yeah. of one of those cots, you know, cots they set up or how big are they? Would you even and, fit on it? Well, it's like, I don't know if I would fit on it. And I looked up and it's like either 450 or 500 is the kind of like standard. That's okay. the new amount. Um, that's, that has been decided upon after Katrina because ah. when Katrina hit, in New Orleans, which is a town that has a fairly large population. I mean, physically large, <laughs> yeah. not just numerically. Um, that was a serious issue afterwards. And so when, when I was prepping for this, I went out and I tried to find out if there was any research on large, uh, you know, on, on disaster relief with obesity factors in, included. I found a paper published in 2016 that simply went into the fact that no research had been done on it. Um, <laughs> a research that was paper the about the lack of research. Of the research paper. <laughs> um, and the only thing that research paper could dip into as far as uh, of any sort of information was anecdotal, relying heavily on Katrina and Sandy stories. Mm -hmm. um, These are hurricanes for the non -Americans. Yeah, for the non-Americans. Yeah. <laughs> Katrina was something that hit during uh, New Orleans during the 90s. No, the early 2000s. No, no. I, yeah. I think um, actually Katrina was large enough to where I feel like our international listeners probably yeah, know it, about it. Yeah, it's possible. I just wanted you know, to yeah. make it but, clear. Uh, one of the things that that article went into was that there is a fair amount of anecdotal uh, stories coming out of Katrina dealing with fat uh, patients, fat disaster relief uh, mm -hmm. people, um, stories about people being left behind because they didn't have mm -hmm. a way to carry them down the stairs of the hospital when they had to evacuate. Also some his heroic stories of people hauling down um, people like 10 stories of stairs with all of the equipment needed to keep them alive yeah. at the moment. Mm. You know, I want to make sure that those make it in there too. But Katrina showed so much... Uh, so many problems with like a uh, triage, right? Fatness yeah. was considered one of the factors on whether or not you would consider a person would leave a, de a decent standard of life afterwards. So if they were fat, that was a factor on whether or not you decided to, uh, they, they were worthy of the resources to keep them alive when resources were limited. A, a mm -hmm. negative factor. A like negative it would, factor. It would yeah. prevent you from getting the treatment. Yeah. And it's, it's strange because, you know, if you're talking about evacuating a hospital, I don't think they go, well, you know, we're going to leave the ICU people behind. Like, that's, yeah. not, oh, that, yeah. that's not how that works. So yeah. it's, it's very definitely about, about prejudice and oppression. You know? so, but even just on some very standard, low-level stuff, on day-to-day -day stuff, non-disaster, Heimlich maneuver, right? Yeah. If yeah. some, if a fat person is choking, a lot of chasers are going to kind of freeze up and not know what to do. Um, but that's something that all of us can learn, mm -hmm. right? CPR on a fat person is slightly different and slightly harder. 
So my, one of the things uh, my partner Michael has talked about, because he's uh, has a very you know a corporate job, he's a financial analyst, and so he you know up to 2020 worked in an office building, and his uh, company that he worked for had been building a new office building. The first one was sort of this big sprawling single, I think maybe two story building. The second one was a almost like kind of a high rise, a mini high rise in downtown uh, the city that he was in, and. His his the story that he was on was like eight eight or eighth or ninth floor, mm. and he was thinking like you know I can take the elevator up, but what if the power even just something simple like the power goes out in the building and we have to evacuate? Am I expected to walk? You know, and he's got um, you know a couple medical issues that prevent that makes it more difficult to like go up and down large amounts of stairs. Like th- this starts to become a concern like. For him, like the going back to work in an office versus working from home, there's like this added degree of um, consideration to it, which is like, I don't want to have to worry about that type of risk. I know that I'm safer here at home where I don't, where I'm not going to get stuck on the eighth floor of a building that needs Mm -hmm. to be evacuated. Yeah. Or high rises, you know, 28th floor, 38th floor, 48th floor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember lots of stories from evacuations of high risers where the... Mm -hmm certain problems had not been taken into consideration like people in wheelchairs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a different view. There's a different consideration of, you know, a fat person going down the stairs and people banding together to, to get hold of either side of a thin person's wheelchair. Yeah. You know, it's a very different, it's a, it's a, just a different psychological situation of, for both the fat person and the people helping. I, I keep coming back to, I know this is a weird example to use when you're talking about real life, but I keep coming back to horror movies mm. where if a group of people is running, people will stop to help the, per, the disabled person escape. The fat person is on their own. Oh yeah. In you fact, know. that's the joke, right? The, the fat yep. person gets, the, mm-hmm. gets eaten by the monster. Yeah. Yep. So I went through uh, a couple different lists and I tried to pick out some uh, advice for our larger listeners on preparedness, okay. um, which is fun, was fun to do because I didn't find any suggestions on lists on what to do for larger people. So this is sort of a Frankenstein-y thing that I've thrown together at the last minute. (laughs) So things to do, go bags, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's a good idea to have a bag with the basic stuff you need for life for a couple days at the very least, um, along with, you know, some like emergency rations, some water, and very important, uh, at least a couple weeks supply of any medications you must have. Yeah, that's a big one. Which is um, tough, given how insurance companies are so stingy I mean, about giving. For yes, you're going to have to pay out of pocket. It's just you don't have any choice. Well, and renew for them, the, the medication thing, I noticed our so our insurance company, like af- two days after the storm, you know, released, yeah. like they got their thing together. Like, okay, well now we'll cover emergency medication. Oh, that's if wonderful. you're in affected no, areas. No, but after after the event, yeah. not before. Oh. And then the, it always tends to be that because they did the same thing with the, the storms this winter. Um, something I will say about the go bag thing for fat people is make sure to have clothes because yep. you're pro- like you're probably not going to be able to get clothes wherever you yeah. go. Yeah. yeah, you're not going to borrow emergency, your, some Emergency shelters jeans. are not going to have emergency um, Also, they have portable bidets that are squeeze, and I would advise including that in your <laughs> go bag because you're going to, you're going to have to go, baby. So like a squeeze bottle <laughs> okay. that works as a bidet. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. nice. Okay, so go bags uh, with all that stuff in it. 
in advance, know which hospitals can, can help you, right? So if, for example, for me, I live in Los Angeles. The closest hospital to me is not highly recommended for fat people. I, I need to go to, I want to go to Cedars if possible. Know mm, that okay. in advance. Oh, just uh, know leave, where you're going. Leave clear instructions on anything that might happen to you. Like if, you know, if you have a medical condition or any of that sort of stuff, contact information, keep it written down on your person. And here's something to do in advance, uh, basically in a, mo a mobility escape checklist for you in advance. Yes. So like, Mm -hmm. For me, that's something that I need to do with my concern about people being able to get me down the stairs. Uh, I need to make sure that everything that could help someone do that is available in my apartment and my roommate knows about it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So all of these are things that are designed to try and help you move with the most efficiency uh, when you have no time to do, to do it. I also uh, want to piggyback on that last thing you said, Don, because that's so mm -hmm. great. You know, there's a lot of stuff that fat people do just on a daily, ordinary basis to aid their own mobility, little tips and tricks that you know work for your own body. But if, if you're in pain or unconscious, no one else is going to know that. Mm -hmm. And so there's, and there's, you know, there can be a certain amount of shame and like, well, this is actually how I do that. But it's necessary in an emergency I mean, you know, like with Trevor and me, it's easy because I know exactly, you know, I think I know all those tips and tricks yeah. uh, and have been there when they got invented. But <laughs> if, but for a roommate, maybe not. And for EMS workers, definitely not. And so there, to take the time to, to somehow make that available uh, if you are in too much pain to think about it or are literally unconscious. Um, I would say to kind of piggyback off this and, and what you said, Don, well, this may be uncomfortable. So I've done a lot of uh, working with NAFA's um, death planning project and making sure that the people in your life know how much you weigh, or at least like a ballpark figure if you don't want to give them the exact uh, amount. Yeah. Because thin people are terrible at assessing someone's weight. Oh my God. Because so it will be either like, okay, well, they're like, he must be 250. You're like, well, he's 800 pounds, obviously. Like, <laughs> because that will be important for like, you know, whatever kind Anesthesia. of medical assistance you're getting. Anesthesia. <laughs> Medicine. But for, like, even the ambulance or, yeah. you know, that like, that'll be something they ask. Um, mm -hmm. Just another random tip that is something that we did that I thought, actually, we need to, Dan, update um, mm. since we've had some people move. Um, I created an online spreadsheet for us and our neighbors and our management company with us to give our neighbors emergency contacts because, like, if there was, you know, the big one and our, you know, this end of the building just collapsed and smushed us, our neighbors wouldn't know how to get a hold of anyone in our lives. Yeah. Uh, that's classic L.A. <laughs> um, and it's just well, like... Or any I, big it, city. Yeah, yeah. I think it really just depends on where you are. But, like, or, like, if something happened to, you know, our, any of our neighbors, like, I wouldn't know really what to do. But we created yeah. the spreadsheet as an easy way to share and update you know, emergency contacts. Yeah. Um, so listeners, if you have any uh, things that you've thought of or ways to uh, gather this kind of information that we hadn't touched on, uh, let us know and we'll share it in our next episode in a mailbag. Yeah. Um, today, did we have a tip? I forget. Is there a no, tip? I mean, this, oh, so the, a, whole, the whole main, the, the whole, whole episode is our tip. It was yeah. all the tips. <laughs> All right, All right. Don, so for our bit today, land. since we're, you know, we've, we've gone to some places today where we feel very unsafe. Um, the question that I have for everyone today is what is a place that makes you feel safe, comfortable, secure, or an, uh, what is a thing that makes you feel that way? Um, 
Give us your, give us your safe place. And invite us, invite listeners to join invite us, us all in our to safe, your safe place. place. Yeah. Dan, do um, you have one for us? I do, I do, I do, I do. Okay. Oh, let's hear it. Um, so, and, okay. So, when I was a little boy, we would go <laughs> and we would stay at my grandparents. And my, uh, my mother would be in like the guest bedroom and I would be in the, their office, which also had a day bed because I was small enough to fit in a day bed. And this office was right up against the furnace like there was, mm. it was like if you there's a little tiny hallway anyway you get it there, on the other side of the wall from the daybed was the furnace and i would have such comfort hearing the furnace turn on oh and the heat go in the middle of the night like that mm -hmm. was just so comforting because it was warm and the white noise from the furnace and it was just so amazing That's really sweet. to the point where I would get disappointed when it would turn off, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly. So can I go next? Are you done? Yes. Cause I, so mine ties into that almost perfectly where it starts with my grandparents' house. Um, I would stay with them. It was classic, like mid century, um, house, like in a suburb and they, I would stay in the office, which doubled as a guest room for the grandchildren, where they would have like a little cot set up. And I would lie in there and it was so quiet. And then I would hear the central air click on. Really? And it was just this kind of. Yes. Like it was just this comforting sound. And I loved the feel of the breeze going over my face and mm -hmm. the, the sheets. Like it was so quiet and cool. And that feeling has stuck with me. I would get the same thing on our family beach trips. Um, where we go to these big fancy beach houses. Clearly, this is a an AC deficiency in my childhood. <laughs> like at home, like we didn't run it cold enough for me. So, all of that building up to where's my safe place, where I live now, is kind of a culmination of all of those little factors. It's we have central air here. It's cool. It's quiet. It's peaceful. There are all of these like great napping spots. We have this like <laughs> seven foot beanbag chair. We have a great big bed, all of these like little like patches of sunlight and you get the sunset like raking through the house. This is the greatest napping house I have ever lived in. I'm beginning to suspect that Michael is half cat. I, yeah, I, I got that exact same possible. sensation. Yeah. <laughs> it is so, I mean, I take it Well, you know, he lives with the creatures for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor. Um, I will spare everyone the ooey-gooey, like, Dan. Um, <laughs> but no, I was thinking of, so when I was a kid, I had a 101 Dalmatian blanket that <gasps> so did got we. so, like, worn and pilled and gross <laughs> but so that like being under that blanket and then we had a beagle named murphy and murphy <laughs> would sleep with me and she would do this thing where she would like put her mouth over my hand like kind of like bite down on my hand a little through the blanket <laughs> and just kind of like not chew on my hand but just kind of be like up <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's sort of and, a doggy equivalent to holding hands yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like so being like asleep curled up under that blanket with mm -hmm. uh murphy's mouth on my hand through the blanket <laughs> and then actually uh there long story but we had to get rid of murphy at one point because she had some she had a canine epilepsy and uh we had a friend who kind of specialized with beagles and everything but i gave that blanket to her when mm. she, we she went Aww. to go live with our fr family friend that's, That's really sweet. Uh, I guess mine is the only one that doesn't involve sleep. 
Uh, <laughs> I was a big reader when I was a kid. Um, so my reading spot was always my favorite one, but mm. I had a weird reading spot. There was a, I lived on a small plot of property in upstate New York, and we were surrounded by trees, very tall trees. And uh, we had a pine tree that I really liked being able to climb up to the top of. So oh, wow. I'd be reading like 30 mm. or 40 feet up in the air. Oh, my gosh. Um, with an amazing view. Like nobody could come to that tree without me seeing them. Right. Like hmm. I was safe up there. Yeah. Um, it sounds ridiculously dangerous. Probably. Yeah. Was, but, um, <laughs> that I is gotta like, say, the, like the least I safe, was a, safe spot. <laughs> <laughs> but I was very aware. Like if you fell from my spot up top, like you would fall a few feet, hit a branch, a few feet, hit a branch. Like it, it wouldn't be that bad. Just to really well, make the, the, sure that all of your bones broke. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's kind of like a parachute that's arboreal. <laughs> <laughs> we had randomly, I grew up in Virginia, but we had a, a Northwestern pine in our backyard. It's the only one in the whole city, but we just had this random pine tree. Some oh. bird carried that seed all the way across the country. <laughs> That's fun. So, can, uh, I, can I also say there's something very comforting about a fat kid up on a tree reading? That's just, yeah, I like I, that. you know, I, I will say, Don, to your point, I did actually used to like sitting out on our roof. Oh, so, yeah. it's dangerous. It's, safe it's very spots. peaceful. And it's also very cool because there's always air moving. Yeah, that's true. So, dear listener, tell us about your safe space. Trevor, where could they do so? Well, baby, 150. We're on Instagram and Twitter as at Big Fat Gay Pod. We're on Facebook as the Big Fat Gay Podcast. Thank us for 150 episodes there. Uh, <laughs> support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Big Fat Gay Pod. See the articles we talked about at BigFatGayPod.com. <laughs> Yeah, it's basically right. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that what right? I was bigfatgaypod.com? I, th I think I heard something like big fig at bigpod.com. Big, big, <laughs> big fig pod. <laughs> um, maybe you are, um, you're up a tree with the AC going and you hear the furnace and uh, you're under a blanket and a dog has your it's hand in its mouth. You're the safest of safe, baby. But so, not because we're coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> so watch out. <laughs> See, I was going to take it a different direction. I was going to say, oh, no need to watch out this time because you're safe. But no, no you always got to watch out. Always watch out. <laughs> always be on your toes. <laughs>